The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Welcome to Trouble Tuesdays, the night I answer your questions about love, sex, and relationships, or anything else you want to talk about. If it's just about your mental health, your general well-being, then uh, please feel free to vent, to talk, to reach out at 514-800, or you can call me at 514-790-0800. You can also choose to email me, and you could do that through my website, drlaurie.com, or just uh, laurie at drlaurie.com. Dot com. So a couple of um, a couple of emails here, just in response to I guess last night's show or the night before. Uh, good day, Dr. Lori. My daughter and her friends. Oh, this is the guy whose daughter lives in Australia. Uh, had lunch with Lori. That's what they call it, and they loved yesterday's show. We were treated to two poems from the Passion Poet, and the one about Paris was great. These two, I think, would be great together on the show at the same time. You always have great topics. And even at my age, I learn a little something. You make my day. That was it's very sweet. Thank you. I appreciate that. Another one. I really enjoyed last night's show, and it is nice to know I'm not the only one experiencing fake men. It is sadder a younger woman like Paris experiencing the same. I have given up on dating sites. They are time-consuming and even frustrating. Being an Asian woman, I get a lot of the, I've never been with an Asian, and I find that comment insulting. I do not mind if a man has a pet, so long as it is not a reptile of some kind. I lay in bed listening to your show, and you always manage to make me feel better about myself. I'm so happy I discovered your show. Well, I'm happy you discovered us too, and that we discovered you. So thank you for uh, writing in and giving us your thoughts and your opinions. 514-800, if you have a question, uh, something about uh, your sex life or a general question about sexuality or you want to work something out regarding your uh, your relationship, then uh, please don't be shy. Remember that this is completely anonymous. I don't need your name. Even if you call, you can be somebody else. doesn't matter. As long as you get your questions answered, that's all I really Uh, really care about. And please also know that no question is a stupid question. I know that some people hesitate to send in questions feeling like, ooh, maybe this is going to be stupid or maybe people are going to think it's stupid. Nothing is stupid. If you have that question, I guarantee you someone else has asked it in the past or someone is thinking it. So ask away and just remember you're not identified. So it is completely um, anonymous. (laughs) <laughs> the passion poet writes, Oh my God, I forgot their poem for the Australians. Let me work on something. So for Dennis who, uh, who wrote in, um, <laughs> of course, when it's not a question and, and somebody puts their name down, it doesn't need to be so anonymous, right? He's just telling us about his, uh, kid in, uh, in Australia. So yes, they had requested, he had requested a treat for them and a request from the uh, passion poet to write a poem for the lunch ladies, the lunch with Lori ladies. Okay. Here's another question. Um, I gave birth to my first child about six weeks ago. It's been a whirlwind. I'm sure, especially during these times. And I've just realized that eventually my husband and I will need to get our sex life back on track. I'm just totally terrified. I had to get stitches afterward and have just felt like a hot mess down there. 
ever since. On top of being scared of how it'll feel or not feel, yikes, I also haven't felt horny for like a single minute since giving birth. I feel like the least sexual being of all time. Will I ever get it back? Sex was an important part of our marriage, and I worry that if I don't figure this out, there'll eventually be some damage done. How do I jump jump being back into a sexual being after being a mom? Hold your horses. You are only, you just gave birth six weeks ago. You just pushed a baby out of your vagina. Please have some patience on for yourself. Have some compassion for yourself. For some women, it can take months. And I'm telling you this months to fully heal and feel normal again down there. Okay. It's not uncommon to have painful intercourse also after giving birth. Um, even uh, studies show that for close to 30% of women can still experience pain six months postpartum. So that doesn't mean it will always be there. It just means that you have to give your body time to heal. We, I think people need to understand if when you push a baby out of your vaginal canal, there is trauma down there. Uh, it is a traumatic thing for our bodies as naturally as we do it. So men, please understand this part. Okay. <laughs> I know you're itching to get back into the saddle, but, uh, women need your patience and your, your wives need your patience and your compassion. The other thing too, is that after giving birth, women experience a lot of hormonal changes, which can cause things like vaginal dryness, loss of libido, also perfectly normal. If you are breastfeeding, doubly so. Okay. Uh, so breastfeeding has your sex drive, sex drive will be completely affected by that because you're producing, uh, you're producing something, you're producing prolactin when you are breastfeeding, which cuts your sex drive. That's just the way it works. Um, your sex drive can also be affected by your pain, your fatigue, and you know, there is plenty of that to go around, uh, whether or not you're experiencing postpartum depression, like the baby blues as they call it. So please don't be so hard on yourself. Please share this information with your partner so that he too understands all the physical changes that you are experiencing. He should not be putting pressure on you for intercourse, but you could just start off slowly, maybe a little bit of foreplay. Uh, and when you do try intercourse again, take it slow, use lots of lube and you know, you may have to kind of switch around positions to feel comfortable, but if it hurts, it's okay to say, I'm in pain. Can we stop? Uh, and we'll try again a little bit later. So just remember that if you continue to feel pain on a regular basis, check with your doctor. You just want to make sure that you haven't developed an infection and you want to check your healing. It can happen that there's a, there's cuts on the inside that you can't see that heal, but then open up again. Uh, if you have intercourse too soon with the, the, the rigor of, of the friction of the intercourse that it can open up that, um, those, those small cuts too. They're not necessarily big. Um, but remember, remember that there was trauma there. So it, it can take more than six weeks, sometimes up to six months before you start to feel somewhat normal, somewhat 
please, ladies, give her some uh, feedback if you've been uh, down that road and uh, let her know how normal uh, she is. Uh, let's see. Uh, good evening. I really like your show. I learn a lot after not watching hockey. I started listening to your broadcast and didn't miss a show. Ah, my question is in my day, we called it VD and then STD and now STI. What is STI? So we went from venereal disease to sexually transmitted disease to now sexually transmitted infection because we know that many of these sexually transmitted things are not diseases but are simply infections that can be treated so they change the name but they there's even a new one STIBBI or STBBI which are sexually transmitted and blood-borne infections also so there's some people who are using that as well uh, coming up, um, many, uh, many more questions and one particularly, someone is uh, just not as excited as their partner. One libido down, one libido up. What do we do in a situation like that? A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Trouble Tuesday, stand on the program. I answer your questions, 514-800-2. Send them in by text. You can also call call me at 514-790-0800 or feel free to email me your questions to laurie at drlaurie.com at any point. Uh, Tuesdays, I just spend time uh, answering your questions for the full hour, but every other day of the week, I spend the first segment of every show answering your questions as well. Hi, my partner of eight years is pressuring me to perform. I just turned 60 and was laid off in October with a package, started a new job in February and all is good. I have had a small stroke in the past, but cardiologist has said all is good. Taking blood thinners need to improve my sex drive to satisfy her. So let's talk about this for a minute. Nobody should be pressuring you. Okay. I think uh, maybe she wants you to deal with it or figure something out or what have you fine, but pressuring you will cause anxiety. Anxiety will cause performance, uh, will cause you to have performance anxiety, which means that things will go through your head. Like, uh Oh, she's going to get angry. If I don't get an erection, she's going to get, get upset. If I don't satisfy her, she's going to get upset. And all of this is causing anxiety, which then let leads your body to basically shut down. Like you're all the blood will, will flow out of your penis, not into your penis. When you, uh, when your mind goes into that fight or flight response, which is a response to that anxiety. So, uh, first things first is no more pressure and tell, you know, have her listen to this. So she understands this no more pressure. Now, is it your sex drive or is it your ability to perform? If we're talking about, um, your sex drive, we need to see if there's uh, the medication is having an impact on libido. If it's about your erections, we can also figure out maybe a medication can help with that. You've got to check with your cardiologist first to see if you are allowed to take uh, Viagra, for example. But there are also many other ways to be sexual. So maybe your partner is just missing you physically and it might not be about intercourse or anything like that, but missing the, 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 the touch connection with you, right? So 
you guys should be talking about this. Ask her, which part are you missing? Like what's missing for you and what stops you from pleasuring her? You don't need your penis to pleasure your partner. You have uh, your tongue, you have your mouth, your mouth, your, your hands, your, your, you can get sex toys. So there are, there are other ways of being sexual. You don't, it's not just about intercourse. I know when we say the word sex, everybody thinks intercourse right away, but that's not what it's about. And we have to adapt. We have to work with what we have, not just uh, lament what we don't have. Okay. And, and part, that's part of the reason why I actually wrote my book and thank you for the opportunity to plug it right here. But it's a, a book with the title, um, the sex Bible for people over 50, which does go into, um, talking about what happens after a stroke. What happens after a heart attack? How do you adapt to the changes in aging? Because it's not just the fact that you had a stroke, but there are other things happening here. You are aging, and so it affects um, men and women sexually. So maybe if you read the book together, uh, you would be able to find solutions together. And I think that's your best approach is to go in this as a team and to say, look, I want us to be uh, sexual. I want to be close to you too. Let's, let's find a way to make this happen. Why don't we uh, read up on it together and we'll get informed together and we'll look at all, all of our options together. Uh, and I think that will at least open up the, um, the communication. So I hope, uh, I hope that helps. So the passion poet for the girls in Oz. All right, you ready? Uh, Dennis, this is for your daughter and her friends. Let's take a jump into the future. Let's pretend today is gone and it's lunchtime in Sydney, listening to CJD.com. It's Wednesday in Australia, home of the Great Barrier Reef, where kangaroos run free and koalas munch on a leaf. A few long, young ladies sit at a table listening to the passion story 16,000 kilometers from Montreal, having a little lunch with Lori. Passion has no borders, the universal language of love. You ladies like it down under, us guys like being above. <laughs> Thank you for that. I'm sure they will uh, get a kick out of it. So uh, that is for the lunch with Lori. Ladies in Australia listening to us, uh, I guess, the, yeah, the next day. Uh, it's the next day for them. Um, JD writes, a wife is finally back to work. So uh, JD's wife is a flight attendant boy, but she flew to Paris last night. She had to deal with several people that wouldn't wear their mask. I think we're going to be seeing this a lot. I just was reading an article somewhere. I don't know some, somebody posted on Facebook that a bus driver in France was basically beaten up or something. He was driving a bus and he was insisting or it was about not wanting to wear masks on the bus and it broke out into some kind of fight. And now this guy's fighting for his life. Uh, ridiculous. I don't understand the selfishness of people. I really don't. I, I don't. If we wear masks in public, it's to protect others, not yourself. You don't care about yourself. That's one thing, but how about protecting other people? Can't say that, uh, enough. Uh, can we use another term other than perform guys are not a circus act. You are absolutely a hundred percent right on that. And here's the problem is that a lot of men, why do we develop this uh, performance anxiety? Because they 
are looking at this as a performance and it's there, it's like spectatoring, right? They're like the spectator in this act that they are uh, doing rather than just being a participant in it and whatever happens, happens. No, it becomes this, I must perform a certain way. And part of it is, listen, we have our, our society to blame for that. This, we put men in, in, in this position. They have to be the, the performers. Not that women don't feel some uh, performance anxiety, especially women who believe that sex has to look like porn sex and, and things like that. Um, and men too, right? That is uh, part of that. Hi, Dr. Lori. Pressure sounds bad. I hope they can talk it out first. Later, examine if there's an underlying physical ailment. Yes, definitely an evaluation of that uh, would make sense to, to figure uh, that out. Uh, wow, thank you so much for your words. Where can I get your book, please? Available on Amazon. Uh, you can easily find it. Just type in my name or type in the book, The Sex Bible for People Over 50. It's a it's part of a series. I have uh, three other colleagues who wrote uh, other sex Bibles. So there's the uh, regular one. There's one for lesbian lovers and there's one for... Uh, specifically just for couples mine is specifically for pe- for aging for people over uh, over 50 so check it out on amazon it's also available as an ebook but it's not the same because it's got pictures so when you read it with your partner you the pictures are kind of erotic a little bit but they're not uh, but you'll i think i prefer a book version of that kind of thing rather than an ebook even though i just started getting into ebooks right now but when it has pictures and stuff yeah and then, you know, you can put uh, post-it notes on the chapters that uh, that refer to you or that are, are more salient or, or what have you. Uh, doctor, can you have sex with a mask on? Well, why not? If the riskiest part of sex right now is the exchange of saliva then uh, having sex with a mask on if your face if your faces are going to be near each other might be the your best bet uh, or you know it's it's like the same conversations we have about safe sex about wearing condoms like people have a hard time thinking about all the safety precautions they should take and the same way people take risks with their sex lives uh, and their sexual health people are taking risks this way as well uh, there's plenty of people out there who are dating sleeping around or sleeping with people or, or whatever uh, and these are not precautions um, we need to like think about this. You need to ask proper questions. You know, when you, when you have a safe sex conversation, you're talking about someone's sexual history. You're talking about, um, have they been uh, tested? Have they had any STIs or have they ever tested positive for HIV? Do they have herpes? Uh, like the things that, that, that you could catch. So who cares if they had chlamydia way back when, and they were treated for it, It's not really information that pertains to you, but if they have herpes or they are HIV positive, uh, those are things you do need to know about to be able to uh, protect yourself. So now with the coronavirus, you have to ask questions. You have to ask them, like, have you had any symptoms in the last couple of weeks? Do you live with someone who works outside of the house who is, uh, potentially exposes you? 
uh, to uh, the virus? Have you been hooking up a lot with different people? Are you practicing social distancing? Do you wear a mask when you go out? How often do you go out? Do you work in the public sector? Do you work in, in, the, health, uh, in the health field? Wouldn't you want to know all of these things? Because these are the things you would, would be asking to see if you are potentially at risk um, of catching the virus from that particular person. So to me, these are conversations that need to be had just like the safe sex conversations. Now we have Corona sex conversations or whatever you want to call it. So, uh, there's that to consider as well. (laughs) Going down on someone with a mask on. Now that is a performance not to be missed. Well, you wouldn't really be catching anything down there. It's the up top that you would be. Uh, So there you go. Society is full of pop culture marketing indoctrination for men and women too in their own right to perform. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, you are are right about that. There's, uh, There's a lot of that. A lot of that. And I blame, I, I, I really, I blame porn for, for a lot of this. Not that porn is the big, big, ugly monster, whatever. Like it, it has its place and it's not going away anytime soon, but we need the education to go with it. So people understand, like, you don't need to be the porn star in your bedroom. You don't need to act that way. This is, it's like, if you get into a car, you shouldn't be driving like they do in the fast and the furious just because you're in in a car. That's not how you drive a car safely <laughs> or sanely, right? So it's the same thing when it comes uh, it comes down to uh, to your sexuality. Uh, unless you're catching an STI regarding, uh, I don't know what. Okay, uh, Texter writes in, I love your book. Oh, thank you. Plus I got it the only time I've met you in person at the Salon de l'Amour and Place Bonaventure around the time when the book came out. I was there for the first time and thinking how cool the show was when I saw your booth and thought, wow, Dr. Lori Batito, thank you. How very sweet. I'm so happy that you are uh, using the book and, and enjoying the book and hopefully learning a thing or two in there. Appreciate that. All right, coming up, uh, this person, young, a young person who says uh, they don't know quite what to do because they are not as horny at the same time as their partner and doesn't know how to navigate that. So why don't we help them out after uh, we check in with our CJD 800 newsroom. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak. You're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Trouble Tuesdays, I answer your questions about love, sex, and relationships. Uh, 514-800 to text in, or you can call in at 514-790-0800. Here's one by email to laurie at drlaurie.com, or just go to drlaurie.com and fill out the form there. I'm 22 and have a long-term boyfriend. We both have apartments with roommates, but manage to have sex a couple of times a week when we hang out. I guess it's just been a weird transition. Like whenever I used to get horny, I could just take care of it myself if it was convenient and same for him. And I guess that's still the same. But sometimes I'm super horny and he's not or vice versa. It never seems to work out that both of us are ready to go at the same time. And I'm not going to force him and vice versa. Like how do couples who have been together for years do it? We haven't even been together that long. Do I just have to go along with it when he's horny and pretend? Is this what is going 
what it's going to be like for the rest of my life? Good question. First of all, the mismatched libido part is perfectly uh, normal. Okay, that that's that can happen. It happens to most people at some point. Sex drive is rarely something that stays the exact same throughout our uh, lifetime. And that's because our sex drive is impacted by many, many factors, stress, illness, uh, medication, fatigue, emotion, our emotional state, what's happening in our relationship and so on. I mean, there could be hundreds of reasons for it, right? But what's interesting and why it's confusing is that at the very beginning of a relationship, we all seem to be on the same page. We want to have sex just about every time we see each other. Now that's because there's the newness when something is new in like you start a new relationship, there's actually a release of hormones uh, for lack of a better, like not to get into the technical, but the, the lust hormones that get triggered And then we feel like we are, you know, wanting it all the time. That kind of kicks us into, into high gear, but that usually wears off. Uh, I would say sometime after the first year. Okay. This is, it's a general, uh, statement here because not everybody fits that description, but nonetheless, that's very common. Um, but what you also need to know is, uh, sometimes Having sex, even when we are not terribly horny, as you say, can still trigger our desire. In other words, I mean, as long as there's no other factors, right? If you're angry with your partner or you've had, I don't know, you've had a fight or you're not feeling well, or there's something else going on, then, uh, going ahead and having sex and hoping it will trigger your desire may not work. Um, but this is just simply saying you may not be horny, but you might want to be close to your partner, for example. Uh, so once a partner starts to stimulate you and you get aroused, that's when your desire can, can kick in and you will want to continue. But that isn't the same as forcing yourself. Okay. There's a big difference between forcing yourself and, uh, opening yourself up and, 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 uh, agreeing to be sexual without, uh, without necessarily having all that horniness leading you, uh, leading you there. Couples who have been together for a long time aren't necessarily driven to sex because they are just so horny. Uh, maybe they just want to feel close and loving, which leads them to be open to sexual activity, fully knowing that they will receive pleasure and that that pleasure, that arousal is going to lead them to continue the sexual activity because now they really want to. That's when the desire kicks in. So it's just a question of understanding how desire works, especially especially in women, although it works like this for a portion of guys also, uh, not the majority, but nonetheless, there's still, a, I'd say a quarter of men probably uh, are, are fit into this category, but I would say 75% of women fit into this uh, description. So knowing this um, makes it a whole lot easier and, and, and you just don't, qu- you won't question it as much. Like, is there something wrong with me or, or what have you? This is normal and you just need to put yourself in a mood 
and not necessarily a sexual mood, but a mood where you want to be with your partner, where you want to feel close with your partner, touch with your partner, and then, you know, get the motor going, uh, and then your desire, uh, will, uh, kick in. Texter writes, you can get into sync, abstain for a while, then you will both be horny, then try twice a week, like Thursdays and Saturdays. Worked for me long ago. But, you know, for women, they may not experience that um, horniness, or I I like to say the spontaneous uh, desire for sex, and that's okay too. It doesn't mean there is a problem, because those same women, if you ask them about their interest in sex, they will say, yes, they're interested in sex, meaning they want to want to, right? They want to have that desire. So just wanting to want to is enough to put them into a position of being open to being sexual, knowing full well that once they get into it, they want to continue because it does feel good. So we're just driven sometimes differently and we need to kind of understand that. Another text says, real life, people in a couple are not always in sync with their horniness, but luckily in a good relationship, there are tons of other ways to enjoy each other's company. That's right. It's not just about the sex. It's not the the sex that drives the relationship, but the intimacy and intimacy and sex are not the same thing. Of course, when those two go together, it's you know, most people will describe it as the, the best sex, but they uh, don't necessarily uh, go together. Another texture says she could pretend until she enjoys it. If she doesn't enjoy it, then you stop. Yes, but it. I don't think it's about, um, pretending really. I think it's about want just saying like, I want to be open to this, right? I, I, I want to be there with you, enjoy this with you. Even if you're not driven to it. You don't need to have the, a major drive to be open to be sexual and to enjoy the, uh, the sexuality. Um, I went up and after other people were done, I went up and said, I just want to thank you for all the years of your wonderful service to the Montreal community. Uh, Wait a second. Oh, you're talking about me? Oh, and you said, thank you. That's very kind. And I said, and I'd like to buy your book, but I wonder if you wouldn't mind signing it. You replied, sure. What's your name? And you wrote to, uh, to, and then they put blank. I wish you lots of good sex. Hmm. Yes. That sounds like something I would write. (laughs) Uh, signs that your partner is horny. That's a good topic. I think it's easy for a woman. All she has to do is see your boner. Yeah. Well, I think it, that can be pretty obvious to know when your partner, uh, wants it. The problem is sometimes that, for example, I'll give you a, a perfect example that I hear all the time that women tell me does not get them going, not. Okay. So her partner comes up from behind her. He has an erection and he's rubbing up against her and, you know, joking and, and like, trying to entice her to have sex. That ain't going to work. Like for some women, they feel that they experience that as, as pressure and, uh, far from, uh, romantic. Okay. So not everybody, uh, likes that. And yes, they know your, your, your desire is, is obvious, but it's not the thing that will necessarily get them, uh, get them going. Maybe at the beginning of a relationship. Remember there is a difference between the very beginning and the newness of a relationship. 
versus fast forward two, three, 10, 15, 20 years into the same um, relationship. I'm not a big believer in scheduling for sex. Too much pressure, especially if there are no kids or dependents or other pressing time responsibilities for a young couple. Well, if there's, if, if it's difficult to get together because of kids, schedules, whatever, then scheduling alone time, forget sex part, but just scheduling couple time where it's, you is a play date, call it a play date, but you have to schedule your play date. So whether you decide to play strip poker and then get into it, or let's just have a romantic evening and have some wine and candles or whatever it is. And if it leads to sex, great, that kind of scheduling, I believe is, uh, is very important, especially if you have a hard time getting it together, um, for, uh, you know, just to have time together. Coming up, I'll answer the question. If saliva can transmit the COVID virus, isn't engaging in oral sex dangerous then? That will be the next question answered, and you might be surprised at uh, at the answer to that. Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Little stretch to get your uh, questions answered at 514-800, or please, any comments that you would like to add to any of the things we've talked about Uh, tonight. So the question is, if saliva can transmit the COVID virus, isn't engaging in oral sex dangerous then? I think a lot of people are wondering about uh, coronavirus and uh, sexuality. Let's understand this. The virus spreads by respiratory droplets that are released when someone with the virus coughs, sneezes, or talks. Now these, and kissing obviously, because you're getting the, the, the droplets directly into, uh, your mouth. Okay. So they get inhaled or they land in the mouth or nose of a, of a person, uh, nearby. So kissing or coming into contact with someone's spit basically, uh, exposes you, uh, to the virus. Okay. And, and it can also land on people on, on, on their clothing or, or what have you. So, so there's that because if a sexual partner touches, um, surfaces, uh, that, uh, the droplets, uh, you know, gets onto somebody's skin. So for example, I sneeze into my elbow and then my sexual partner nuzzles me in my elbow or touches, uh, my elbow or the crook of my elbow and then touches, uh, his face, then they can be exposed to the virus this way. The virus can also spread through contact with feces. Okay. So if you are engaging in any kind of activity of sexual activity that exposes you to fecal matter, that is dangerous, but there is no evidence to date that the, the COVID-19 virus is transmitted through semen or vaginal fluids. The only study, there was a study done that showed the virus was detected in the semen of people who had a, who had severe, uh, um, symptoms of Corona or who were recovering from, uh, the virus. So more research needs to be done clearly to see if it can be transmitted, uh, sexually, especially from people who show no, uh, no symptoms, but for sure the kissing part is the one thing you would have to worry about, uh, much more. 
if she touches herself after you give her oral sex and then she touches her face, that's one way risk happens. That's true. Yes, because you would be in contact with the other person's uh, saliva on your face. So that makes uh, perfect sense. If anyone meets someone for a date and they tell you they are not really concerned about the virus, I suggest leaving. That person is a high-risk person. Um, again, that uh, that would tell that might tell you something. If you're someone who is uh, quite concerned and have been taking following all the guidelines, and you meet someone who doesn't believe in it or thinks it's a conspiracy or whatever reason that might indicate to you that you both have very different values and uh, that just might be the thing that weeds it out and I've heard of this I've heard this before from people right I think we talked about this on the air where it's a good way to weed out uh, uh, candidates if you will uh, if just based on their reaction to to that kind of thing uh, my wife and I tried to schedule a Zoom sex, aka while the kids were doing school online, their classes were not at the same time. I'm not sure what you're trying to tell me here. Um, a little joke. What is the difference between a tire and 365 used condoms? One is a good year. The other is a very good year. <laughs> I like that. I, I think that's clever and, and very, uh, very cute. Um, so JD, whose wife is a flight attendant and is going to Paris, do you think my wife should self-quarantine when she gets back from Paris? I stay away from me. Self-quarantining is not part of her protocol when she gets home, just cleaning luggage, taking a shower. I don't know. I thought, isn't that the protocol of everybody who travels? I don't know what it is in the travel, uh, in the travel industry, but I would imagine that on an airplane, a, she's on an airplane with lots of people, I guess, going there and coming back. Uh, aren't you supposed to, I don't know if it's mandatory. I don't know. I, I really don't know. I, I'm not an expert in this area. But um, it would seem that you would need to, That's that was what the, the conditions were, right? That those were the guidelines. You come from out of town, you quarantine. If you come, even if you come from, if you come from the States or, or whatever, you've got to quarantine for two weeks. So if I was you, I'd stay away from her for two weeks, frankly, you know, maybe sleep in a separate room of, of the house. Like you're going to have to be careful, uh, how you do this. I remember when I came back from uh, vacation, I came back during COVID right when the, everything shut down. So, uh, I came home, I had to quarantine for, for two weeks. I had to self-isolate, but I stayed away from my husband. He stayed away from me and we were like extra, extra careful. Um, certainly didn't want to, you know, infect him with anything. So that was something that, uh, that we did. So I think it's something you need to consider for sure. 514-800, couple of minutes left. If you have uh, any comments or uh, any uh, any thoughts, uh, certainly about COVID dating and, and things like that, that we've been talking about tonight. All right, last question, I think. Uh, I'm a guy in my early 20s. I had girlfriends here and there in high school, but it was mostly kid stuff, holding hands at school and making out at ho house parties. Recently, I hooked up with a male coworker 
After my shift one day, he gave me a BJ. It was my first time being with a dude. It was really hot, but it's not like I have a crush on him or anything. Since then, I've been using an app to talk to guys locally about hooking up in a similar way. I'm not really into doing the same thing with girls, but I also haven't really had romantic feelings for a guy yet. But maybe I could. How do I figure this out? Where do I even start? That's a really good question. This, uh, you're trying to figure out your orientation at this point, which isn't surprising. Early 20s, okay, some people figure it out earlier, some people a little bit later. The process is not exactly uh, linear. It can be a bit of a roller coaster ride for a lot of people. But when we look at orientation, we look at both your emotional and your physical attractions, right? We also have to consider your thoughts and your fantasies. Are they mostly of one gender over another? Another part of the emotional component is who you have crushed on. Uh, but let's say you say you, you've had not had any crushes yet. Think about this. When you think of a romantic relationship, can you see yourself having a loving relationship with a guy? Can you see yourself holding hands? being affectionate. Uh, when it comes to your sexual behaviors, how did you feel having sex with guys? Were they, were these, uh, encounters satisfying? Did you have any emotional reactions? So those are some of the kinds of questions that you have to uh, ask yourself and, uh, you know, be, um, just be patient with, with yourself. I think you're on the, uh, on the right track. One, there's a website that's really good that I'll refer you to. It's called your sexual orientation dot info, your sexual orientation dot info. And it kind of helps you. Um, I mean, it, it goes into much more detail than I have right now, but, uh, helps you kind of figure out and ask yourself, uh, all these, all these questions to, uh, to try and figure it out. It's not like a test that you take and, you know, you fill this out and lo and behold, you, you get, uh, you know, you get an orientation. Um, that's not how it works, but, but at least it gets, it helps you to understand. Uh, do not understand digestive, digestive enzymes destroy SARS-CoV-2. How can it be in feces? I don't know what to tell you. It's what the studies have shown. This is why they say that if you, uh, when you flush the toilet, you should always keep the cover down, um, uh, because it gets uh, the, the particles, the little tiny fecal particles in the air could, uh, could be a problem. So clearly if they're state saying that it's uh, found in fecal matter, it's because uh, they've tested it and they have tested. So I have no idea about digestive enzymes or anything like that. I know the science of the brain and emotions, <laughs> very little about the rest of it, <laughs> especially the digestive system. Uh, let's see. Good for that young guy to open up about his orientation questioning. Yes. I think that's very brave uh, to ask the question. And, and also it shows a lot of courage to, um, well, to, to, to ask me the question for sure, but to question it himself, right. And to say, okay, I got to look at this a little bit closer now. Uh, let's see. Sadly, apparently, so back to the, um, 
the uh, the stewardess, the airline, uh, the, what do you call them again? Anyway, my brain's brain fart. Uh, suddenly, apparently, she's essential service, which means she's exempt because she could go back to work two days later. Oh, that that's true. But even essential service workers now, if uh, like all, all my friends, for example, who have uh, partners who are doctors and such, they're very careful at home. Like they don't, um, they're not too close. Uh, they don't stay too close to their other family members. They make sure they, uh, when they come home from the hospital, or whatever, they're like can strip down and put everything in the wash and what have you. Now, I don't know how much social distancing happens in the household, but this is our reality. What can I tell you? I mean, unless if you're a high risk person, then I would say take more precautions. I suppose that would be something. Uh, just because your texter may have enjoyed a man sexually doesn't necessarily mean he requires to take it to the next level, no, nor that he would necessarily feel romantically inclined towards men either. So he should take it for what it's worth instead. Yes, but he's on a discovery right now. Uh, so it's not, I would certainly not label anybody at this, at this point for sure not, but he's got some discovering, uh, still some discovering to do and, and thinking about how he feels about all of this stuff. Thank you for all your questions. Always uh, enjoy uh, answering them for sure. Uh, thank you to our technical producer, Dave Simon, tonight. If you want to connect with me on social media, it's at Dr. Lori Batito. Through my website, you can send me uh, your emails as well and pick up all the past podcasts, plus get information about my book and where to get it. Uh, the book is uh, The Sex Bible for People Over 50, and the website is drlaurie.com, D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E.com. Coming up next year on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening, stay safe, and remember to live your life with passion.